So you hear me bang on about this every week, but it is time for Bet DSI. They are our excellent sponsors. If you are a gambling person, I am not, but if you are, then these are the guys you need to go to. Why? Well, most people seem to bet online these days, and most people seem to bet on their phones, so they have an outstanding mobile interface. They've been in the game for 20 years, and pretty much they dominate the market because they are the best at what they do and they're going to offer you essentially free cash which you cannot grumble at so in the modern era in the modern day who is going to turn their nose up at free money i certainly wouldn't you certainly wouldn't and if you do then you are a moron and frankly you know my opinion about morons so get in the game these bet dsi boys they don't mess about you want to put a bet on you want to go down the track you want to bet on football you want to bet on the ncaa mma boxing i mean there's a great deontay wild against uh, tyson fury coming up the premier league is back this weekend after the international break want a line on it they've got a line on it they'll get you a bet on it they even do like presidential stuff i bet they even do the oscars they've got everything so join today use the code code yards 101 that's yards y-a-r-d-s yards one zero one get in the game get paid today get free dollars for betting free dollars for betting a couple of weeks ago Florida State Miami if you put 100 pound on Miami to win and Miami lost you'd get your 100 dollars back I said 100 quid I'm English you get your 100 dollars back you don't even lose anything astonishing value betdsi.com they are the people to bet with Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and welcome to another depressing episode of Three Yards Per Carry after another loss. I'm here with Simon Clancy in the second half of the show. We'll have Chris Kaufman with me. But first, Simon, you were at the... Pro Football Hall of Fame and at Lambeau Field. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was great. I mean, the, the Hall of Fame, if you've never been, it's an amazing experience. Uh, and I'd urge everybody to go. It's just a wonderful place. It really is. It's, uh, you know, if you like football, then you're going to love the Hall of Fame. It's great. They just do it properly. They do it right. And, you know, they respect the game. Uh, and they're opening up this whole new, they're, they're building this whole new part of the, uh, of the hall. And they're opening up. A sort of area uh, which is incredibly going to be incredibly spectacular it's like a hologram station so they've got currently they've got this thing where a hologram version or a full-size hologram version of um joe namath comes out and talks to you um and then hologram coaches vince lombardi um and george hallas come out and talk to you which is absolutely incredible but they're, they're they're planning on this hologram experience where you can be the cornerback and you line up you're in the huddle with hologram players and you experience what it's like to take a snap and throw a pass in the, you know, it's incredible. It's incredible. So it's really, really, um, it's a really good, uh, it was a really good trip. And then Lambo, I mean, if anybody's, you know, if you've never been, it is the, you know, I've done two Olympic games, two Paralympic games, three Ryder Cups, five Tour de France's, three Wimbledon's, um, you know, a myriad of sporting events. So you could do World Cups, European Championships, um, Open Championships, two Masters. I mean, you know, as many great sporting events as you could possibly think of. And this was the best environment in terms of the town, the way the people bought into it, the atmosphere outside, the history that you just felt through every single pore of Lambeau Field. Yeah, every every atmosphere that... Sorry, somebody was uh, calling my... My flight, which is a bit bizarre, <laughs> but anyway, um, 
yeah, the whole thing was just uh, the whole experience was incredible. And yeah, I knew Miami were going to lose anyway. As a, you know, I predicted thirty-one ten. It finished what thirty-one twelve. So two points yeah. out. Um, but you know, just to be there, to be inside the stadium and feel that you know, it sounds cliche, but it really was a special, special occasion. Um, and then I went into the locker room afterwards, but actually didn't go to the Dolphins locker room because I'm so bored of going into the losing locker rooms. So I went back and and uh, had a. Into the Aaron Rodgers press conference after talking to him in the press conference last week after the Patriots, um, and bizarrely, I suppose because the accent, he clearly remembered me, and so I asked him three or four questions, got him into a bit of trouble about the, the fans, which he had a laugh at, which was quite funny, and that was all fine. Then walked back into the Packers locker room and to meet my colleagues who had been interviewing Bakhtiari and, and Jair Alexander and uh, and Randall Cobb, and stood there for about twenty seconds. When all of a sudden Rodgers walks back in with his. Um, with his, with the with the main press officer for the Packers, and he kind of looks across and spots me and looks away and then looks back and still does a double take, and then starts to wander over. And I'm thinking, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers is walking over towards us, and then he just comes up and says, "Are you guys going to be coming through every game now?" And at this point, I'm thinking, this is not real. This is, you know, this is <laughs> unreal. Then he leans out his hand and, and says, "Hi, I'm Aaron Rodgers," and you know, take his hand and we're all like, oh my God, this is incredible. <laughs> and, uh, so he says, what are you guys doing here? So we briefly explained that we were on this trip and he's like, wow, that's so awesome. Like, genuinely interested. And again, at this point, I'm just thinking, this is that pinch me. This is, this is so surreal. And he says to me, he turns to me and he says, I want you to come to all the press conferences because you ask, you ask really good questions. He said, not like the rest of these journalists here. And then he pats me twice on the chest <laughs> and then says, right boys, enjoy the rest of your trip shakes hands again and then just wanders off and I'm like we're, all four of us were just like this is the most bizarre experience surreal experience you know, I don't get starstruck at all ever um, <laughs> and that yeah that happened that which was incredible um, so yeah and then we walked out to Lambo Field afterwards and had some photos and the boys did a couple of Lambo leaps while the security guards weren't looking which was cool it was just an incredible experience you know actually put the game into context I didn't really care about the game I knew we were going to lose I know that sounds awful as a Dolphins fan and I knew we were going to lose, and I, you know, we had a, you know, we had a zero percent chance of winning with none of the tackles with Osweiler at quarterback. It's just, you know, impossible to win that game, especially with Green Bay at home and, and Rodgers and Aaron Jones and our run defense being so bad. Um, so yeah, so I, I drove a couple of hours back from Green Bay to Milwaukee and got into the apartment that we were staying in, the hotel that we were staying in, to discover that Aaron Rodgers had started following me on social media, which is probably the most bizarre thing that's ever happened to me um, <laughs> yes. in my entire lifetime. Um, but anyway, so that that kind of capped off. Uh, we started at, uh, when we got here in, in Chicago. I'm in Chicago airport now. When we got into Chicago two weeks ago, we, our first night was spent at a Harry Potter quiz, which we accidentally stumbled in on. And uh, we ended up in um, becoming friends with Aaron Rodgers. So it's been an up and down experience, as I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, before we get into the game, uh, that uh, the hologram experience at the Hall of Fame when Joe Namath comes out, does he ask to kiss you or, or not? He, he doesn't, unfortunately. It's, it's weird, actually, because I said I did say this to my friend. <laughs> it's, it's weird that, A, that Namath will be chosen, but then five players come and talk to you uh, through the, like, five Hall of Curtis Martin, a couple of others. But one of them is Jim Brown. And I'm like, well, okay, this is, you know, very controversial because, you know, Jim Brown has the history with, you know, some things that, you know, especially with, with the way he treat, had treated women. Uh, yes. But anyway, it was, uh, it was an amazing experience. So, yeah, if you've never been, you know, make a beeline for Canton because it is a special place. Well, a game was played and 
all three of us expected them to lose and it shouldn't really make us mad or or upset at the way the game transpired because we expected them to lose but i came away from that game uh, a little bit aggravated because i thought that the packers were trying to hand the game to the dolphins and if not trying to hand the game to the dolphins at least trying to hand them a close loss or a game that they would have had a chance to win in the fourth quarter. What did you make of that game? Because I came away completely aggravated that we blew so many chances. Yeah, I think in that first half. I think Miami were competitive, you know, and, uh, you know, I think they could move the ball fairly freely on the Packers. But, we'd, you know, look, it's the story of however many years you want it to be. It's the story of, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot, shooting us in there. When we're done shooting ourselves in the foot, we're punching ourselves in the face. You know, you have that opening drive. You're moving the ball really well. You're running the ball. Frank rips off the 39-yarder. You're down in plus territory inside the 20. Ball gets snapped. And actually, if you look at the All-22, Mike Jasicki is, is running open, wide open in the end zone. Kenny Stills is open at the 10-yard the, the line. I mean, wide open at the 10-yard line. Yeah, um, right. And the ball gets snapped over Oswald's head, and it's, you know, boom. Then, we, you know, we're into the – you get into the – you get deep into ter- to, to Green Bay territory four times and you can't convert. You have to end up with field goals. And, you know, Jason Sanders, kudos to him because he's become an absolute weapon. He's been an absolute brilliant for us. But that's not, it's not good enough. You know, you can't find Kenny Stills. You lose to King Grant with the Achilles injury. You lose, it's just been announced, Devontae Parker's got a sprained AC joint in his shoulder. You know, so we're down to, you know, ha- kudos to Leonte Carew. You know, Carew stepped up, had a couple of catches, a couple of fumble recoveries. But you, you can't win. You can't win. And I, people say, oh, it's excuses. It's excuse. You can't win with these injuries. You can't. I sat in the press box talking to the Green Bay guys, talking to my colleagues here. You talk to, you know, I'm talking to contacts and sources around you know, the different stadiums that I've been to over the last couple of weeks. And they all say the same thing. You know, Adam Gase at 500, frankly, should win an award for the fact that this team is 500 at all. Given, you know, I think Barry Jackson counted yesterday that there were 12 starters from the start of the season who are now on it, you know, are not playing. I mean, that's an astonishing, that's an astonishing number. 12 of, of what, 22? That's half, yeah. more than half of your starters. And I know injuries are the same for everybody. You know, Atlanta have had injuries, Green Bay have had injuries. Nobody's had injuries like the Dolphins. You know, and, uh, you know I was left the press box. You leave the press box about, for people who have never been in, you have to leave the press box a bit early to go downstairs to get down for the, for the end of the game. And so you watch the end of the game on TVs. Um, but I was waiting for the for the lift with about four minutes to go, and all of a sudden they stopped the lifts because Stephen Ross came through, and so Ross, Dan Marino, Mike Tannenbaum, Tom Garfinkel, um, Chris Greer, and a, a few other assorted Dolphins people, and um, you know they were they looked incredibly somber, and Tannenbaum was standing right next to me, and we sort of made eye contact, um, and he just stared at me for sort of a dull stare for two or three seconds, then just got in the lift. But it was very silent. Ross looked very unhappy, and Marino looked very unhappy. Um, but I, you know, I, it's not going to be what fans want to hear because the, the fandom doesn't work that way. They don't want to hear the stuff that injuries and this, that, and the other. They don't want to hear that the two starting tackles were out. That the fact that we played yesterday with, you know, with, with four offensive linemen who at the start of the season weren't weren't starting. We played with, you know, Zach Stirrup, Jake Brendel, uh, Travis Swanson, uh, and and Sam Young. I mean, that's not. That's not a competent offensive line. And we've got Brock Osweiler. It's not a competent quarterback. You know, our receivers at the end of the game were Danny Amendola, Leonte Carew, and then we were either having to line up Jasicki out wide or Kenyon Drake. And then Kenyon would have to play in the slot. I mean, it was just ludicrous. You can't expect to win with that. No, um, you can't. So, but, you know, I think the bigger issue 
is the run defense, uh, which was you know showing up because actually the linebacker unit is one of the is the healthiest on the team in terms of you know you're starting the same three guys. Um, they, we were getting gashed along the defensive front, which you know is is unacceptable. And you know they gave up you know the touchdown they gave up to Devontae Adams. And I asked Aaron Rodgers this after the game. I was like you know that that touch the second touchdown to Devontae, uh, good throw, but obviously you're throwing to a wide open guy because it looked like Rashad was you know what 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 happened there in terms of what did you see? And he said you know Dolphins play a lot of cover two shell, and he, he said I, I was looking inside, I kept peeking inside to Jimmy, but at the corner all of, all of a sudden I could see Devontae wide open and Rashad. It was a bit higher than I thought he was going to be. And I don't know why, you know, Xavier seemed to be expecting Devontae to go down into the end zone. He said, and that's just how the cover two works. But he said, I, I just was thinking, you know, that split second, why is Rashad not going backwards? And why is Xavier not coming forwards? And so, boom, touchdown, and, you know, but it just seemed like confusion. And I don't know. I just, I don't know how Matt Burke makes it out of it. I don't know how Matt Burke makes it out of the week. But this team's a shambles, and it's a shambles because of injuries. It's not a shambles because Adam Gaze is a bad coach or a bad man or anything like that. It's a shambles because this entire team has got injured. You know, over the last three days, three, four days, I've spoken to a couple of sources close to the team. Uh, I mean, I'm told, uh, you know, it really just reinforces what Chris has said. I'm told that the injury to Ryan Tanner will, will shut him down for the season. You know, uh, I, I, three days ago, I spoke to somebody who's, you know, well-connected with the with the team who, who's close to the people that Chris is talking to. And it's obvious that Ryan Tannehill, it's certainly obvious to, to, to that person that Ryan Tannehill will not play again this season. And, you know, Adam Gaze, I think has spoken today and said that he is throwing, but he could give no distances. We were told that it was, you know, really struggling to throw past seven yards, seven, 10 yards. Um, and if that's the case, he's not going to play again this season. I think the bye week will be the perfect opportunity to announce that he will be shut down. It may not happen, but that's certainly the information we're being told. Um, and, and really and truly, you know, as we've discussed it privately and I've discussed it with my, my friends on this, this holiday slash tour, is that, you know, I think Ryan Tannehill will be done as a starting quarterback. He's missed 24 of the last 29 games. I think Teddy Bridgewater will be the guy that they target. And I think they'll end up drafting a Drew Locke or a Will Greer or a Daniel Jones or somebody like that. Probably not in the first round, but maybe in the second round. Um, to come in and push and compete. And if Bridgewater turns out to be successful, then they may end up moving this kid um, for, for a draft pick. And if Bridgewater doesn't work out, then they've got a fallback option because currently we don't have any fallback options. You know, and, and that's really cost us. The, the, the flip side of that argument, of course, is that there's not 32 good starters in the NFL. So people say, oh, you know, Gaze is the quarterback whisperer. He hasn't done... Well, you know, the, there's not good quarterbacks. Some people, Gaze is responsible for Brock Osweiler. Well, who, who else is out there? You know, we can have the Colin Kaepernick debate till we're, we're blue in the face. I personally think Colin Kaepernick's a far better quarterback, but there are much bigger issues surrounding whether or not Colin Kaepernick should step in and play. I, mean, you know, I think it's disgraceful that he's not playing in the NFL. But unfortunately, I don't make up the rules. You know, who else is out there on the street that, you know... And it's all, oh, somebody said to me last night, well, Matt Barkley came in and, you know, beat the Jets handily. Matt Barkley hasn't thrown a ball in the NFL for two years. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that where I'm supposed to go? Adam Gaze has never worked with Matt Barkley. He's won games with Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler got, got Adam Gaze as offensive coordinator into the playoffs when Peyton Manning was injured. He beat the Patriots in that snow game in, in Denver. You know, when Peyton Manning went down with a neck injury. So, you know, I, it, I think it's very difficult to judge. I really do. But, you know, I, I, I think it's glass half full, but I am aware that that will not, you know, comfortably placate the hordes and the masses who believe that, you know, the hang em, flog em brigade, because there's plenty of them out there. But I just think there's a bigger picture to it. And, 
the bigger picture is I think that we need to look at the way that we are doing dealing with injuries because I don't think that you know, how are we having so many year after year after year I think that that would be a fairly significant issue for me whether that's a heat thing or a, a, whatever it is I don't know who knows but yeah I mean I, I think the, the I think there are far more issues that arose from the game itself than the actual game itself because the game itself was meh earlier in the season Adam Gase said well look you know uh, we've looked at the injury issue, but most of these guys are getting injured during games, and that's that's the truth. Jakeem Grant got injured during the game, so did Devontae Parker. But what is starting to show its ugly head again is that, and it happened with Jawan James and Larry Mutunsel, both were slated to play on Tuesday. Mm. On Wednesday, it, it looked like all systems go, and then all of a sudden, it's a game-time decision. Uh, there, there, was, um, there was one beat guy who posted video of both of them working out, and they looked fine to me, but evidently not fine enough because they were both held out of the game. So now you're having these issues during the practice week. So this is something that they really have to take another look at. Yeah, but it's just uh, it's on, a struggle. It's a struggle. On Osweiler, not only did he miss Devontae Parker for what would have been the go-ahead touchdown, but if you watch the the film on the first four drives, like a lot of the things that that – Adam Gase is calling. It's working. His mm. scheme is working. Is. There are people that wide are open. wide open. We were, I mean, you can see perfectly. It's almost like all 22 when he's at the press box. He was missing wide open receivers left, right, and center. You know, he got a bit unlucky in the second half because the, 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 or just before halftime, the throw to Devontae Parker down the right sideline, which would have been a touchdown. Parker was, I mean, that was pass interference. Parker was held and pulled back, uh, and it just went out of his hands. That should have been a penalty. But, you know, he was, there's no excuse for continually missing. Not only missing with the throws, but then also not seeing guys. You just sat in the press box and, and, you know, you can hear people going, and I was the same, you can go, Amandola's wide open, he's wide open. And then, <laughs> yes. you know, he wasn't, or you'd say, he's got Grant, he's got Grant, he's got Grant. Oh, my God, he didn't even see him. So it's those, those are as much frustrating as the past he misses. You know, I just don't know what, we, you know, we all sat there and we we're just looking at each other going, I just don't know what he's seeing. So that's that's really a problem, but you know I, I might be inclined to, to to turn to David Fails after the, after the break because I just don't. I, I, I agree. We're not getting anywhere with Osweiler. We're, we're not. We know what we're getting. It's the players are getting more and more frustrated. Let's just try and mix it up a bit. You, you just don't know what Fails can bring. What's the worst thing that can happen? We lose the games. We end up five and eleven. What's the worst thing that can happen? The yeah. best thing that can happen is that you know the team gets a bit energized. He starts throwing the ball down the field because he, he can throw the ball down the field. Yeah, we saw what happened when he played against when he came in and played last season. He can sling it about a bit. Well, I tell you what, let's do it because we're not doing anything. We're not going anywhere with Osweiler. I absolutely agree. I think it's. I think it really is time. I. I don't want to see Osweiler in a Dolphin uniform ever again. No, just either. play. Just play fails, and if by some miracle of God Tannehill can play for the rest of the year, that'd be great. But if not, just play fails, and who knows? Maybe he plays well, and you know you have a you have a backup quarterback going forward. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. But yeah, but well, we're gonna go to break right now, and when we come back, we will have Chris Kaufman, Simon. I've got a flight to catch. Yeah, yeah. Having a nice side. trip. Thanks, buddy. I'll speak to you soon, guys. All right. First, Bye, these words. This week on the Five Reasons podcast, we put out four new episodes with John Krasinski on the Jimmy Butler Miami Heat trade talks. There are people within the Wolves organization that think the Heat were as responsible for that falling apart as the Wolves were. With Tom Haberser on the NBA. I was introducing Eric Spolster, the coach of the Miami Heat, and I say, hey, Eric, this is uh, my boss, John. John, this is Eric. And Ira walks by and goes, 
Oh, congrats on your new job, Tom. Another one? What, next week? Next week you're going to have another one? With former Dolphins quarterback Sage Rosenfels on his post-playing political work. Well, after I retired, I counted how much money I had. I knew what my budget was, and at one point I realized I had you money, and I didn't give a what people thought about what my politics were. And on the Dolphins' win over the Jets. It is the worst offense in Dolphin history. They had guys named Dick Wood playing quarterback <laughs> before Greasy got here. Literally, his name is Dick Wood. Look it up. He's not, that's he don't, he, that's he's not, not true. Catch this and much more on the Five Reasons podcast, available in the same places you're listening to this podcast. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's <laughs> is chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah, Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. And we're back. And as promised, I have Chris Kaufman here with me. Chris, in the first half of the show, I had Simon Clancy. He was in an airport, headed back home. That was the second time that we did a podcast with him at an airport. And I must say, you know, both were pretty good, except for all those announcements that you kept hearing in the background. But I'm sorry, listeners, I can't take those out, okay? It's, it, it, it would need very, very high-level equipment to do that. So I just couldn't do that. But he I, says... I, 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 caught in the airport and stuck there for some reason not being able to leave like that uh, tom hanks movie uh <laughs> yes he shared something with us in the first half of the show that he had heard from somebody connected to the team mm. that they fear that ryan Tannehill is no more for this season at the very least what do you make of that i'm not surprised i i guess uh what i, what I can say is from the very start the people that i talked to were i guess pessimistic is the word that i would use uh about the mm. whole the whole affair or sort of like you know hey yeah we'll 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 try this stuff um can't really hurt you know to try to try and do the whole rest and rehab and and see if uh see if that works see if he can actually come back it can't hurt um but i also don't necessarily think it's gonna it's gonna yield results so that's been sort of the attitude that i've had or that I've heard from uh, from a lot of people in there. So you know, this week I, I speak spoke with some other sources too, and and they were of a similar mindset as as Simon's sources, which is that you know I don't I don't think this is going to happen. I think I know that right now Adam Gase made some news earlier today. He talked about how um, Ryan started throwing yesterday. And uh, and he did not for the first time in a while. Uh, he was throwing at, without pain, which is something that really was a red flag when Ryan talked to the media a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. uh, he talked about how he, he had pain when he was throwing, and supposedly yesterday he did not have pain when he was throwing. And and so Adam Gase talked about they're going to begin their sort of their program of trying to get him more throws 
you know, deeper distances, which by the way, we reported here on, on three yards per carry that he was not allowed to throw more than seven yards that, that he wasn't throwing anything deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's funny, the, the Dolphins pushed back on that. They said, they said that that's not true. There's no, there's no distance restrictions um, of what Ryan Tannehill is allowed to do or what he's not allowed to do. And, and then today, Adam Gase described in like perfect detail for the, pro, for the press and for the media, um, this throwing program that they're going to have him go through where, you know, at first he can't, he can't throw, he's not allowed to throw anything, you know, deeper than, than a few yards or for like, you know, five, 10 yards or something like that. And, and, you know, gradually little by little, they'll get them at deeper and deeper distances. And it's like, you know, talk about frustration to see the dolphins pushing back on an accurate report. Um, and then circle back and say, uh, yeah, Oh yeah, by the way, yeah. Um, we're, we're not allowing him to throw further than, than this short distance because he's like barely on step one of this new throwing program that they have. But anyway, uh, you know, he is going to, he is engaging in this throwing program. That doesn't mean the strength is back. And that's, that's what they're, that's what they're going to find out. That's what they're going to, they're going to see for themselves. I, I know they, they started a little bit yesterday, today. I think I see a lot of fail points. I see like, you know, the strength not coming back, then that's a fail and he's done. Um, if they, if the strength is back for a day or two and then they circle back and try and get him going for another day and he's sore or strength is now, you know, not back for a couple of days, that's another fail. And then he's done. Um, so it's basically a lot of fail points and I wouldn't be very optimistic about it right now. Although, um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily – I don't know what, what the sur status is with surgery and stuff like that, whether that's needed. But um, I, I, I just wouldn't be very optimistic about him coming back this year, which is a shame because we just saw some really awful quarterback playoff. Yes, it was. It was as bad as I can remember it. And that's why I'm sorry. I just, I just cannot – I cannot take these little arguments that I see on Twitter all the time oh. about it's the same and Brock Osweiler and Ryan Tannehill are essentially the same guy. It is not the same. It is No, it is really, not. Really not the same. It's night and day. And, and yeah. uh, this game really, really highlighted it above any other game because you don't see it as you watch it live. As you watch it live, all you see is, okay – the, the center quarterback exchange got blown, and it got blown because Travis Swanson is speaking an A-gap blitz. And you can see it right there. It's right there in the, in the end zone view. Travis Swanson sees the A-gap blitz, and he's leading the block, the guy, before he snaps the ball, basically. He should have been called for, for false start. That would have been better because at least, the, you know, <laughs> just, they just back us up five yards. Right. But, you know, come on, man. Like, a professional center doesn't do that. That's okay. true. That's true. But you also have to say that, um, you know, that snap, it's not like the snap was way over his head. Yeah. Catch, uh, catch the goddamn ball, Brock. Yeah. I, I see. Listen, I, I watch a lot of college players, right? I'm, I'm watching several of them that are dealing with bad centers that are snapping it this way, that snapping it a little bit early, you know, stuff like that. Um, these guys catch the ball. I mean, the, the college quarterbacks are, are catching the ball. Yeah. Uh, Brock Osweiler, you, you got to catch it. I'm sorry, you do. Yeah, and, and come on, you know, uh, all the moments in this game, that's why I, I told this to, 
to Simon. And it's part of why I thought that the Packers are just not a very good football team. Just watch that game. They're at home. They have the Miami yeah. Dolphins who are playing without two tackles. Okay? And their backup quarterback. You should murder this team. Not give yeah. them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to take the lead on you. Even until the last drive of the first half where Devontae Parker pops butt naked open. And, of course, Brock <laughs> Osweiler misses him. Sure. And that would have been a touchdown. That would have given the Dolphins the lead at the half. And, you know, you never know. They still probably lose because I felt that yeah. the game was going to go a lot well, like it went anyway. Aaron Rodgers still had plenty to say in the second half. And you yeah. can't take that away from him. Yeah. But, you know, come on. All you got to do is watch those first four drive and all four, four drives. And you see all the missed opportunities. It's one after the other. People wide open. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't see them or – he misses them, or he, he was, sees, or he, he sees ghosts on all those crossing crossing routes too. And they they had, I mean, they had the speed to to cover them. And also, he was just late on a lot of them. So yeah, or um, he escaped the pocket. He escaped the pocket and felt pressure that wasn't really necessarily there, and mm-hmm. then walks himself into pressure. Yep, yep. It, it's just bad quarterbacking. He's just and- really, really, really bad. And he can't do anything. He can't do. I'm Simon's, you know, complained about it quite, quite a bit. But he can't do anything when he does that too. I mean, when he, when he escapes pressure or you know tries to roll out and and do something. I mean, he's just, you know, maybe yeah, you'll get lucky once in a blue moon and he and he throws that, you know, pass. I think he had one like that against the Chicago Bears. Um, but yeah, he can't do anything that way. And that's that's one of the big differences is Ryan Tannehill can still throw it when he escapes out of the pocket. Or he could run with it. Yeah. I mean, it, the, for those trying to say that the, the, this is the same, I, I just don't understand that. That's not – that is not – I mean, use your eyes. I mean, that's that's inexcusable to me. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know what they're, they're going to do going forward, though, because as we were saying here on our show, you know, I'm not – we're not optimistic about Ryan Tannehill coming back, and, and we don't talk to people that are. So, yeah, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you something that me and Simon came to a, a complete agreement on, and we didn't even bandy this about. He mentioned it, and I said I was about to say that until you said it first, and that's I've seen enough. If Tannehill comes back, great, let's celebrate it. Hopefully, he could come back and he could play the last six games of the season. But let's say he doesn't. Mm-hmm. The start, David fails, and who knows maybe he plays great and you find yourself a backup quarterback next year to play behind Bridgewater you know what I mean but Uh, I think it's virtually impossible I think the only way that they can find a quarterback that's worse than Brock Osweiler at this moment is if they sign Peterman that just got cut by the the Buffalo Bucks (laughs) well I think they should sign Peterman for uh, 2019 and that is the best plan (laughs) that you can possibly have to draft to a tag of Iloa yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. You know, but I think I, I hate to, I hate to, you know, push the eject button because you never know what's going to like. Say we're totally wrong on Ryan Tannehill, right? He comes back mm-hmm. and he starts, he starts playing, and you know, heaven forbid, he starts playing well. Um, then you never. I said this. I said this many years ago. I said actually, I think I think I said it in 2014 and 2016, and when everybody was you know hitting the hitting the button on um, on Ryan Tannehill. I was like, listen, it's a long season. We're going to continue seeing him. And if he turns it up, which he did in both cases, then um, 
then you never know. But if Ryan comes back this year, you know, somehow we're, we're totally wrong here. Or our, our, you know, our predictions, our projections are totally wrong on that. And, and he plays well. Um, you could be seeing him in 2019 again. It's, it's a little hard to fathom. I think that it wouldn't happen unless they were also investing in somebody very significant to give him a lot of competition. And I think Steve Ross himself will demand that. But, yes. um, but yeah, I mean, it, it could, it could still happen. You're, Cause what you're looking at is like, okay, well I can, I can pay a bunch of money to Teddy Bridgewater who also, by the way, is fragile and um or has shown you know that he's a little bit fragile in this league uh taking a concussion taking a knee blowout um you know how, how do you be much more confident in teddy bridgewater's durability than than you would be ryan Tannehill's at this point so if you come to Tannehill and like hey would you would you play ball with us on a little bit of a give back of all the free money that we've given you over the last three years yeah uh, for not playing football and um and and if he says yes, then you know you could be looking at you could be staring at him again, and with another guy brought in for competition like Teddy Bridgewater or something like that. Um, so I you know I hate to say I hate to say never. I hate to make decisions in on you know mid November um, for the rest of the season, but it, it doesn't look good. I, I think you're right though on on Brock Osweiler. It's got to be David Fales going forward. I don't understand continuing on with Brock Osweiler at this point. He's been on a steady decline, on a steady decline for a month. Yes. Um, and we've seen it every week. We, I, don't, I don't see the point anymore. Now, now you've got I, actually thought, I actually thought he played really, really well against Detroit and mm. then went absolutely 180 degrees in the other direction. Yeah. And I thought had, there was like sparks, though. Of the remember the I remember the Detroit game. There was some like some stuff that was like called back or didn't end up, you know. Like um, there were sparks of the the total fuck up niche, yeah. Uh, him uh, and and then like it just kept growing, and uh, and now he's not not even able to complete passes anymore and and really get the offense going. I I don't have much hope in him. Well, there was other injury news, mm. and you know. It wouldn't be another three three yards per carry podcast if we didn't talk about other people getting hurt or getting mangled in another game. And Jakeem Grant, uh, mm. fan favorite, favorite of ours on this podcast, uh, classified as an Achilles injury. Didn't tear it, thank God, because that would have mm. been pretty bad and that would have pushed him toward the middle of next season. That would I'm told. Yeah, especially for a guy who who's a who's you know he's he's a speed merchant and he relies completely on on his straight line speed. So yeah, that would have been a per- and and that jumping ability of us. Yeah, so that would have been a really really bad injury. I'm told, and it seems you're told as well. It's mm-hmm. it was supposed to be when it happened, and you know it was diagnosed four to five weeks, four to six weeks. I was told. So yeah. and you concur, right? Yeah, that's right. I was I was told pretty quickly the um that they got good news there and it's not I mean it's, this is all well out. We're not breaking anything. Um yeah. so they got good news on him and uh and it's about 4 or 5 6 weeks something like that. I don't I don't know I don't know that I personally see the point in in having him back this year. Uh, if it's 4 or 5 6 I'm it's going to be week 12 by the time we play again and and you know, what do we bring him back week 16 or something like that? I, I don't know. Yeah. I would, I would, I would have, tell, uh, personally, I would put yeah. him on IR. 
Yeah, I would shelve him. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't play him again uh, this year. There's no point in it. Uh, even if, you know, if think about it this way. Let's say they run off four straight games. Mm-hmm. Then you ran off four straight games without him. So what's the point yeah. of bringing him back? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know? That's true. that's true. Hey, look at it that way. That's a good point. Okay. Another guy who I think has looked very, very well. He's looked good. He's looked like kind of, I want to say the guy that we drafted in the first round, but the guy that we kind of expected that he would be is Devontae Parker. He's also injured. And his injury seems to be one that's going to at least, remember, it's Devontae Parker, going to hold him out at least two weeks. That's the way it was classified. He has like a sprained AC joint. And Do I have that correct? That's that's what they say. That's what the, the reporting is, I believe. Um, who said that? It was uh, it was oh, somebody national. Was it, was it Ian Rappaport or maybe Adam Schefter? It could have been. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure who it was. But it's Devontae Parker. Yeah. If they say two weeks, it means two years. So. <laughs> well, I have a couple of thoughts on that, though. I wonder, because you, you have a lot of experience with shoulder injuries. Um, okay, so they the report was sprained AC joint, and know a little bit about these now, but um, and they say week to week. If it's week to week with a sprained AC joint, then that's got to be grade one, right? Yeah, it's, it's mostly pain. It's just about yeah. pain management, like uh, – you don't really want to take uh, any painkillers for, for that type of injury. So, well, I you, mean, if you're a quarterback especially. but um, No, but even if you're a football player and you have a sprained AC joint and mm-hmm. you, could, you risk doing further damage to it, you do not want to take a painkiller and then not know your limitations. You want the yeah. pain to let you know when you cannot go further. Okay, but here's, here's, here's the point, though. Uh, grade, grade two is – probably out of the question they didn't say that nobody's nobody said whether it's grade one grade two or grade three no uh, grade two and above is probably out of the question if they're calling this week to week yeah based on what i know of ac ac joint sprains and i have spoken to some people about this um so i i mean am, am i wrong to be kind of thinking in my head here um yeah okay if you've got a like we've heard matt hasselbeck talking about trying to throw with a with a sprained ac joint a grade one sprain um and we know that jimmy garoppolo when he had a grade two ac joint sprain with the patriots he had to miss a couple weeks um and he he couldn't couldn't continue um if you're not a quarterback and you don't need that arm to throw do you really need to miss time with a grade one ac sprain because that's not all that serious of an injury no it's just a pain thing so uh like let's say you're at the line and um and a cornerback across from you gives you a jab with his left with his left hand inside your pads to try to yeah. get you off of your, uh, try to get you off of your timing yeah. that's good that's gonna hurt so yeah. so as soon as they snap the, the ball uh, yeah so as soon as they snap the ball and you try to get into your route and a cornerback does that to you uh you're gonna get a sharp uh push of pain and that's uh-huh. probably going to make you worthless for that one particular play. And that one particular play, you know, could you know ruin the rest of the play. And that doesn't make coaches happy. The coaches want guys that are just going to – they're going to be perfectly fine every single play. So Well, but think about management. this. Rashad Jones has played with an AC joint sprain for, like, weeks and weeks at a time. Like, he, he misses no time with that. 
Right. But so, that's Rashad Jones. Well, you know, clearly Devonte Parker isn't. So I, you know, I just, I just wonder about that. I wonder if it fits into this sort of this easy narrative and perception that we already have of Devonte Parker, which is that he misses time with a hangnail. Um, so well, well, Chris, uh, it's it's pretty simple. Uh, this guy missed preseason games and missed part of the beginning of the season with uh, a thumb injury. You don't run nine routes. Thumb, with- I thought it was middle finger for some reason. Uh, well, I like to give, I like to give him the middle finger. To be honest with you, <laughs> I remember the fu joke we made right here on this podcast, or you, that you made. Yeah, so so yeah, it was his middle finger. Uh, last time I checked, you don't run a nine route with your middle finger. That's right. Okay, you don't run. You don't run. Uh, to be honest with you, you don't block anybody with your middle finger either. Okay, take I that just, thing. I just heard a receiver index. talking about how he dislocated his finger and you know, like dislocated a few times and life came right back in. Have you ever seen have you ever seen a professional wide receiver's hands? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean they're mangled. The, they're absolutely yeah. destroyed. Tory Holt. Tory Holt is like yeah, those dog leg fingers. And it's very, very, very common to for a wide receiver that plays with a big strong arm quarterback mm-hmm. to dislocate your fingers from time to time from just plain old catching the ball from him. So, you know, last I checked, you don't need your middle finger to do a lot of things that football players can do, including catch the ball, to be honest with you. Including catch the ball, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Put on a glove, tape your middle finger to your index finger, and that's Mm -hmm. it. Let's go and play. He missed games anyway. So now he has this thing going for him. And I think this is a question that is, is for you because I really do not know where we stand with this. His contract next year. What does it mean if yeah. he's out for the year? That's that's another point to bring up because um, you know I see I somebody on Twitter already brought it up and it was one of the first things I thought of too was that he's his his uh, salary next year is injury guaranteed. Uh, yes. And so you know the Dolphins maybe maybe having to you know to tread carefully here like. We accused Devontae Parker of maybe not um, coming back as quickly as he could with a sprained AC joint, with a shoulder sprain, basically. Um, But it could also be the Dolphins, like, you know, hey, you take as much time as you need, buddy. Um, Because, you know, if he comes back too soon and makes it worse, Mm -hmm. I wonder if they could step into some trouble with that injury guarantee for the fifth year. so I don't know. That's that's something that pops across my my mind. I don't know that it's um, I don't know the exact legalese of it. So, um, but but I, I it's something I would be concerned about. Now let me ask you this: uh, We heard and I heard that he had plenty of takers come the deadline mm-hmm. this year. So. What do you say to the fan out there that says, you know, well, who cares? Uh, we'll just trade him in the offseason. Yeah. How, how does his contract situation now change things on that front? You know, it's, it's weird uh, to think about because I, given the contract that he has next year, I don't imagine, I don't imagine very many takers. Um, exactly. You know, even, even for low – even for low, you know, payment, we're talking about nine point four million dollars that is avail or that is due to him in twenty nineteen, and so I think it's I th- and as I said, I think it's injury guaranteed. So, uh, you know, a team could be looking at that and saying, well, yeah, but we're gonna 
we're going to renegotiate him anyway. But the thing about renegotiations is that it's all about new money, not about like taking away old money. Yeah. So, so if he's got $9.4 million coming to him and his contract by the team that just trades for him, then you're going to have to pay him at least that $9.4 million for next year. And then on top of that, you're going to be discussing 2020 and 2021 and how much those cost. Uh, and so a lot of people is like, uh, would think, well, maybe they'll just take that 9.4 and some new money and they'll spread it out and they'll get them more at like, you know, a nice even um, $7 million per year contract or something like that. I mean, whatever people's imaginations take them. Um, but it doesn't necessarily work like that because whatever that, whatever's already there in that contract, that 9.4, that's leverage for, uh, Devante's agent um, to to you know really up the the price and and ask for more. So especially and and what would also be leverage is the trade the whatever they give up and trade mm-hmm. for him. So um, I just I don't see it happening. Like I, I could see it happening in the middle of the season before the trade deadline when you get a season when you get like you know more than half of a season out of him on your team, in your system, with your coaching uh, for cheap money and you get his feet wet in your system and, and kind of start to get to know what you have and maybe get an impact from him. Several teams had to be looking at him like he can make an impact right away. Yeah. Uh, but now you do a reset to the offseason. You're talking $9.4 million for the upcoming season. Uh, I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah. Now let's finish up with this. I've been on Twitter and you've been on Twitter and tell me if you've noticed the same thing I've noticed. Have you noticed an uptick in fire Adam Gase tweets on <laughs> dolphin Twitter? Uh, I don't know about the uptick. I, I haven't, you know, I've been paying a little bit of attention to Twitter, but not as much as usual. Um, I don't know about an uptick. I, I know they've always been there. Uh, so, you know, it's not surprising, I guess. Uh, at some point, Adam Gase does have to answer for quite a few things. And yes. I understand that. There's there's no question about that. But you don't get fired for five and five with this team and the, these injuries and, you know, everything that's befallen them. Um, it doesn't – unless, you know, I, hey, could we, could we end up getting – we've heard the rumors about John, John Harbaugh in Baltimore – and Jason Lock and Fora said it outright. They are heading for a mutual parting of ways. Mm-hmm. And um, and could we go through basically part two of Steve Ross with the Harbaugh gang? Uh, <laughs> you know, he 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 went <laughs> he went behind Tony Sperano's back and um, and met with Jim Harbaugh before. Could he go behind Adam Gase's back and meet with John Harbaugh and use? By the way, like Steve Ross basically is Jim Harbaugh's boss uh, in in Michigan. I I think mm-hmm. of Steve Ross is basically the de facto owner of the Michigan Wolverines football team because he gave that you know he he's such a huge huge donor there, and uh, and basically I I think he he gave like an insane amount of money to specifically to the athletic program and the football program to to you know basically renovate everything and and um and take care of that football program i think of him as like the de facto owner there so he's already got one jim harbaugh working for or one harbaugh working for him in michigan 
And he could rely on Jim to recruit John Harbaugh to Miami and say, you know, what a wonderful owner Steve Ross is. Yeah. Uh, it's possible. But, uh, you know, the, other than outside of that, I mean, at five and five with this kind of calamitous, you know, set of injuries, I don't see it happening. I don't you know what? It. Most Dolphin fans des- are going to deserve a John Harbaugh because with him will probably come maybe a Marty Morenweg as his offensive <laughs> coordinator. And you're going to get to see real offense, the offense that you always deserved, okay? <laughs> a bunch of leads, a bunch of uh, slants, the occasional yeah. nine route built off of a play action that was, that was, brought, that was <laughs> built off of like 15 consecutive runs out of the same look. Uh, boring stuff. Look, the yeah. way I look at it is like this. John Harbaugh, uh, he got the job by being a uh, special teams maven. We already have a special teams maven, and we're going to fire Adam Gase. Just give the job to Darren Rizzi. You know, it's, what's the difference? It's something really? to think about. I, it's, I, I really do think about that a lot, Darren Rizzi. But I, I don't know if that's quite fair about John Harbaugh in, in Baltimore and the thing that he's done. I think that if you look over time at the coaches that they've had, and that they've had move on, you know, and and get jobs elsewhere, and just the the IQ. I mean, we know it because we end up playing the Baltimore Ravens, and they end up destroying us. And it's partly because of the football IQ that they've got built up over there in the coaching staff. Mm. And if they're a little bit conservative on offense, I mean, you say that they're conservative on offense, but then Joe Flacco takes like the most. And in some of the years, anyway, he's taken by far the most, you know, super deep shots of any quarterback in the league, you know, as a percentage or something like that. I mean, he, he does it a lot. And, um, and so they, they take their shots and they, you know, maybe there is a little bit of element of conservatism. But if you look at the, the actual coaches that have passed through there, it's a pretty impressive list. And, I th- and a lot of it, all of it under John Harbaugh, so I, I have a lot of respect for what he's able to build there from a football knowledge capital standpoint. Um, I don't want to get into, you know, should we fire Gase when we're five and five with all this crap happening. But, um, but I have a lot of respect for John Harbaugh. Uh, one thing I will say is this. When Adam Gase was hired, he was the, the hottest coaching prospect available at the time. The surefire way to never get another hot coaching prospect is to fire this one after – three years or two and a half years when he's essentially mm-hmm. 500 and he took your team to the playoffs in the first year. That's not the way you do business. I just don't think so. Unless, I, unless you can get your hands on some superstar coach out there that we don't even know is available right now. Fair point. But you know what they say about what gets you hired could get you fired. And the bottom line is their offense. They've, they hired this offensive guy who continued to function as the offensive coordinator since he's gotten here. Mm-hmm. And I know that we can, we, you know, I do, I do this myself and we slice things up and we say, well, at home they're this. And, you know, yes. as, as they get into the second, third and fourth quarter, they're this, you know, and stuff like that. But the bottom line is the bottom line. This is a putrid offense and has been for thir- three years. Yes. And I know, that, you know, Adam Ryan Tannehill has been in and out and blah, blah, blah. Bottom line, putrid offense. Um, you know, you look at elsewhere and you're like, oh, C.J. Beathard can run an offense. Oh, you know, Nick Mullins can run an offense over in San Francisco. Adam Gase, you know, you're not stacking up with the other offensive gurus out there. 
like Sean McVay and, uh, and, and Kyle Shanahan. So what get you hired can get you fired or will get you fired. And that would be the ultimate reason you dismiss Adam Gase. You say, we hired you here because you're supposed to be this genius offensive guy. The offense has sucked for three years. Sorry, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be that simple. And I don't think it would be, I don't think it, you know, that my sense isn't that other, you know, hot coordinators and stuff like that would look at it and be like, Oh man, that was so unfair to Gase. So they'd look at it and be like, well, if I get hired there to, to, to coach a damn good defense, then I better not have the new Orleans saints defense circa, you know, 2015 or whenever it is. And they had the worst offense or the worst defense ever invented. Um, you know, yeah, you no, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I think no, I agree. But the perception is out there uh, that Adam Gase is a good young coach. Everybody repeats it. I'm talking about the national media. Yeah. So the same way the national media thinks of a guy is the same way a lot of these coaching prospects are going to think of him as well. Mm. So uh, unless, of course, there's a superstar coach out there that we don't know is available right now and, and, and Steve Ross is just going to roll out the red carpet and give him everything, I think this offseason they're gonna have to spend money on a defensive coordinator a top-notch defensive coordinator because like I said uh another game just went by and Minka Fitzpatrick had yet another great game they should build the uh, the defense around him and some of the other good players that we have on the defense which I think we do have plenty of Xavier Howard Jerome Baker yeah and even Cam Wake you know is he's showing his wares and Robert Quinn just came off of his best game as a as a Dolphin I think yesterday so, yeah, I mean, if they if they can figure that out with those two and, you know, how to rotate them, you know, maybe not keep them on the same defensive line or maybe only keep them on the same defensive line at certain times. Or, you know, we saw an instance where there was a sack actually where they did a perfect, you know, kind of over-under where Cameron Wake was going around the outside, forced, you know, forced the, the quarterback to step up and, and Robert Quinn was coming around from from the inside a little bit um to to mop it up you know that's what Cameron Wake and Olivier Vernon used to do together Uh, if they can figure that out that that would be promising I don't know that I have a lot of hope for them to actually do that but hey (laughs) yeah now they're gonna have to I think this offseason they're gonna have to go I I think you know it's it's kind of obvious that Mike Burke is not long for here so they're gonna have to just they're gonna have to pay somebody uh Uh, be be creative go out there go get somebody well somebody already wanted to do that and uh yeah, yeah. Adam Gates wanted to do that. Like, let, let's be clear, okay? Let's be clear. Adam Gates wanted to go out and pay a defensive coordinator. The rumor that we had heard was Vic Fangio. He wanted to just go dump a bunch of money on his lap, and somehow he was talked out of it. Mm-hmm. So, and I baited I, you I, into that. I wanted you to reveal that, and I wasn't sure if you were going to. Yeah, and and I'm told that it was Stephen Ross. It was Stephen Ross that was he's sick of paying you know, coordinators, a lot of money for them to just leave to take mm-hmm. jobs elsewhere. Cause supposedly the, the contract that was given to Vance Joseph was pretty fat and pretty front loaded. And Steve Ross was pretty happy with Vance Joseph being here. Although our defense was, you know, nothing to look at, but he had the respect of the players and players liked them. And more importantly, the, the owner liked them. Mm-hmm. And I'm told that Steve Ross in that off season, didn't want to let Vance Joseph go. He wanted to fight for him. And Adam Gase and I'm pretty sure Mike Tannenbaum did. I don't have information on that end, but I, I am told that 
the coaches told them you can't do that. If the the guy is going to leave you for a head coaching job, you don't deny him that opportunity. So mm-hmm. don't fight for him. Let him go and pay him what you owe him, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm told that after that, Stephen Ross soured on all these high-priced coordinators. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? You're paying for it now, Mr. Ross. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the Wonderkind and uh, yeah, so more kind than wonder. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, Chris, it was this was fun. This was this was almost <laughs> therapeutic, really. Yeah, yeah, because that's uh, right. Yeah, this is this was just an awful, awful, awful week to be a Dolphin fan and to watch that guy play quarterback one more time. Hopefully it's the last time we see him play quarterback. Wow. And the next I really time hope it see... doesn't happen again. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, for, for our sake, for our sanity, okay? Let's just pray against, you know, reality, really, that Tannehill comes back and it's a glorious end to the season, which has been pretty hard to endure, not even enjoy or watch or or observe it's it's been a season to endure so far but not hard to predict because like you know the dolphins may be five and five I, I, we we keep laying down our predictions every week on this podcast so it's a matter of public record but i i know i'm nine and one <laughs> as far as what the predicting what the dolphins are going to do and me and simon are eight and two yeah, like so, not not that hard to predict what's gonna what's gonna happen. Um, you know, we'll leave we'll leave that hanging so, so that you can wait for our preview pod for for uh, for Indianapolis. But um, but yeah, yeah. But no, it's just it's just all the injuries. All the injuries have made this this team hard to watch week to week. Especially this last game where you know we were expecting both tackles to play, and then it's game time, and we find out oh they're a game time decision. You're like oh boy. <laughs> God. And then not only is it a game time decision, but a beat writer posts video of them running around. I'm like, okay, that's that's Larry Tunsil right there running around. And that's Jawan James running around. And the next thing you hear, oh, they're both out for the game. And, really. and you're like, they're running, really? They're running from the stadium. <laughs> yes. Well, that's it. There is no more. The next time we talk to you, I guess we'll get into some of the news of the week. The news of the bye week. Thank God the bye week is here. It's impossible for them to lose this week, people. (laughs) All right. Till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.